Commencing countdown. Three, two, one. This is the Contracting Experience. Connecting government contracting professionals to the world around them through conversations with acquisition influencers, insights into evolving hot topics, and sharing lessons learned from the field. Welcome listeners to part two on my Startup Innovation Fellowship experience, where Major General Cameron Holt, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Contracting, Office of the Assistant Secretary of the Air Force for Acquisition, Technology, and Logistics, turns the tables and interviews me on this unique and worthwhile experience working with the startup company, Decisive Point, in Washington, D.C. I want to give a shout out to my leadership for supporting my participation in this program, National Security Innovation Network for running the program, co-founders Tommy Hendricks and Eric Horan from Decisive Point for allowing me to gain a new perspective through my work with their company, and all the other groups I call out in this episode that helped me along the way. Make sure you check out the show notes as I'm including several links of resources I found during my experience. I'm also including a link to a video of an AFWorks panel discussion that provides some great information and features three of the AFWorks contacts that I spoke with during this experience that highlights much of what I learned during my fellowship. Welcome, Amber. Thank you so much for agreeing to let me interview you. (laughs) Thank you. You had an experience recently called the Startup Innovation Fellowship Program. And I remember our interview earlier this year when you interviewed me and some other Air Force contracting leaders on mission-focused business leadership and where we're going with that in the Air Force. And I, am, I have got to tell you, I am so happy to be interviewing you and turning the tables a little <laughs> bit on you. So I get to ask the questions now and you have to come up with the answers. Super excited. Can you hear that? <laughs> so as we begin, let me ask you the first question. Tell me about the Startup Innovation Fellowship Program. Definitely. So the Startup Innovation Fellowship Program is a program under the National Security Innovation Network, or NSIN, formerly known as MD5. NSIN is a DOD program office that collaborates with universities and the startup community to accelerate innovation in the Department of Defense. The Startup Innovation Fellowship Program is a six-week fellowship uh, for government, military, and civilians that have four to 15 years experience. It embeds them with a startup, it helps them get that that unique, unique experience, and then helps them address a command problem or focus area to work through and get a different perspective on. Um, I was one of about eight participants in this particular cohort. Um, We were placed with different startups across the United States. Great. What startup company did you work with and what command problem did you focus on during during your fellowship? So I worked with a company called Decisive Point in Washington, D.C. It was founded by Tommy Hendricks, who is a former special operations officer, and Eric Horan, who is a former Navy PCO. What they do is they're a startup company that works with other startups to help them bring their emerging technologies into the government. My focus area was better understanding the challenges that startups face in doing business with the government. So they were a great company to be paired with um, because they have access to several different startup companies that I could talk to, interview, uh, meet with to get a better understanding of, of the challenges. I actually talked to seven startups, three members of the AFWorks community, um, one member of the Defense Innovation Unit, 
and one from Ensign, the National Security Innovation Network, just to like get different sides of, of the different challenges. Well, great. Um, as other mission-focused business leaders across our Air Force uh, start to try to figure out what's going on with the startup industry that typically doesn't do business with us, through your fellowship experience, what challenges did you find that startups face in doing business with the government? So one of the first big challenges is, is just that, um, you know, trying to get into the government space can be very difficult to navigate. So, and there, and there's several reasons for that. Um, one has to do with there's limited access to potential government customers. A lot of times it can be a lot of roundabout networking, just trying to find who is the requirement owner, do they have funding available, what is their problem, um, how can the startups better understand that so they can um, work solutions to that. Uh, so that was a, a huge um, area where I think, I think we could improve on. There's also a challenge in finding funded opportunities and then also understanding the different funding streams. Um, it can be a little confusing when you hear of all the different ones. And then there's also uh, some of the startups, I think are not aware of some of the programs available to help them teach, teach them how to do business with the government. So um, it kind of feels like they're out there on their own a little bit um, because I don't think they are aware of some of these, these potential programs. Another challenge is uh, government requirements are too specific. It doesn't allow room for the startups to provide innovative solutions. It also constrains the company's ability to use commercial solutions that they've already developed uh, because it may too, take too much money and resources to modify that to get to the government specification, or they may have to um, develop something completely different. Venture capitalists also like to invest in solutions that are scalable. And so it's tough to get VC backing when there's many different specifications required. And I know you've heard this many times, um, but another challenge is it takes too long to get on contract and get paid. And, and I know you foot stomped, you know, the importance of cash flow and all of that to industry, um, but especially to startup companies and small businesses because, you know, they're concerned with making their payroll that month um, and, and, and kind of staying alive as a company. Also, investors consider doing business with the government very risky. Um, there's no reoccurring money coming in necessarily on the government side. So a, an investor may not want to invest in a startup that has a defense focus, or they may require the startup to provide more equity for them to invest with them. Another comment of a challenge was DOD is not the best growth partner. There's no guaranteed path with verified funding that will get a solution from prototype to a fully developed solution. So startups have to decide if um, they want to put the resources up front to apply for government challenges if they maybe only make it one or two steps in because that may be too many resources for them to put out. It may not be feasible or manageable. And then another area that's a challenge is in the intellectual property. Startups, it's their bread and butter. It's what sets them apart from some of the big guys. So um, if the government is requiring a higher uh, level of rights to, to do business, then the startup really has to decide, are they willing to to take that risk and do that? Um, are they able to negotiate with a program office at all? But um, that's something that they may have to walk away if, if they can't come to an agreement. So thank you, that's so important. I note that as we think about U.S. national security and the Air Force mission of fly, fight, win, I notice that it's sometimes much easier for countries like China and Russia to access U.S. innovators and startups in our market than it is for U.S. startups to even do business with us in the Air Force. 
Do you have any advice for our Air Force contracting family on what solutions may already exist to overcome these barriers? Yes, so as part of the fellowship, I did some research on my own and also in talking to the, the startups and, um, and, and the groups from the different innovation um, organizations. I got an education doing this, which, was, which is why I think it was a great fellowship to do. Um, my background is major weapon systems, so I haven't played too much in this space, and so this was a complete learning experience for me. So, but as far as the challenge of the government being a difficult space to navigate, organizations that are out there and available for startups um, to help teach them to do business with the government. Um, there are PTACs, Procurement Technical Assistance Programs out there, and they are located in different um, geographic locations across the U.S. And then there's also the DOD Small Business Programs that provide assistance. Um, in most major cities and around bases, you will find tech accelerators and incubators. You uh, can do your research to see if there's an organization that provides specific mentoring to, in the DOD space. Um, I think that's important if you're a startup that, that wants to go that route because they can be helpful in, in kind of helping you along with the different nuances of that. So just do your research and make sure that if you're going to go that route that they do have people there that are, you know, understand the DOD space and can help you with that. If requiring equity to join an organization, just make sure you think through how much equity you're willing to give up and if it is a good business strategy at that time for the company to do that. Um, there are many different tech accelerators, incubators out there. Um, you can do a, a, a internet search for them, but one example is uh, Techstars Air Force Accelerator. They're, they have a program that's specifically geared towards um, helping startups get into the Department of Defense, um, but there are many others out there that are not specifically affiliated with the government that can help you. As far as funding opportunities, this is not an exhaustive list, but these are the ones that I was able to find in my research. Uh, many of you may already know about the Small Business Innovation Research, SIBR, or Small Business Technology Transfer, SITR programs out there, where they're, they're really trying to revamp that program and use it to bring innovative technologies into the government. So that's been great, um, especially in the last year and two. So there's also AFWORKS challenges. Um, they award through many of our organizations like AFRL and AFL-CMC. They've also worked with the Navy, so you can keep an eye out for those on the AFWERX website. There's also a Defense Innovation Unit solicitations that get put out. Um, many of those are for OTA, other transaction um, authority type, type um, actions. And then you can look on FedBizOps, Federal Business Opportunities. Um, recently, there's been um, some Air Force teams like out of Joint Base McGuire who did a commercial solutions opening that was, I think, very successful. And I think they learned some lessons and they're passing those on to other teams. So, so those are some, some funded opportunities to look, to look out for. As far as the types of, of funding that are outside specific program appropriated funds, uh, you have, you know, we talked about the SIBR and SITR, Small Business Innovation Research, Small Business Technology Transfer. There's also Rapid Innovation Funds Program, the Squadron Innovation Funds, or SIF, and then there are the DOD, there's Rapid Reaction Technology Office, RRTO. They have three different funding streams. One is a Rapid Reaction Fund um, where they provide hedge against technology risk. There's another one that's Quick Reaction Fund for accelerating conventional warfare capabilities and then another one, Emerging Capabilities Technology Development, which is counter-emerging threats. And I can put these links in the show notes so that people can go directly to those sites, because I do have those. As far as the government requirements being too specific, 
And this kind of also links back to the importance of getting access to the requirements owners and the and potential customers to solve problems. We need to get companies with innovative technologies connected with end users to identify problems earlier. So before the requirements are put out on FedBizOps as official solicitations, if government requirements personnel can understand the solutions available to solve their problem, they can better craft a requirements document that allows for the appropriate solution. Um, in addition, there are opportunities for us to provide, um, for the companies to provide prototypes as part of the challenges to better inform government personnel and our um, you know, requirements decisions. From the aspect of it being too long to get on contract and get paid, you know this, sir, as well, that there's been a lot of recent strides made in this area, um, which are great. I like the use of other transaction authorities, um, commercial solutions openings, an increase in the utilization of the Small Business Innovation Research Program for innovative solutions, and then the use of the FAR 16.5 procedures for competitions under multiple award IDIQs. In addition, there's acquisition um, situations that, that warrant the use of things like the FAR Part 12 um, commercial item procedures, you know, and these have always been available to us as well, right? So FAR Part 13, simplified acquisition procedures, FAR Part 19.8, direct 8A awards if applicable, and the use of the government purchase card, which was done at Air Force Pitch Day in March. And then on this next point, I know you and, and Dr. Roper have um, really led the charge on this, but there's been a push in the Air Force to delegate authorities down to the lowest appropriate level and encourage a more streamlined review process in order to speed up the contract timelines. So there's been a lot of work done in this area, and I think, as you know, sir, there's a lot more work to be done, um, but I think we're at least moving in the right direction. And then from the aspect of DOD not being the best growth partner, there were several individuals inside and outside the government that I talked to that acknowledged this, and they suggested having a um, dual-use business strategy um, where the startups can introduce and develop their technology through challenges and cyber programs, but have a commercial solution that can help sustain their business. And then when the business is able to manage compliance with the regulations, i.e. more resources and better established, um, they can reach back into the government market. And other, other startups have, have taken the strategy of being a subcontractor rather than a prime, still getting the, that good service and, and technology in there, but on not as maybe the prime contractor. And then on the last challenge that I mentioned for the intellectual property, this one is a tough one. The biggest thing that I could say um, through my research is just identify any IP data issues early on as possible. MITRE has a challenge-based acquisition guidebook that kind of talks about that as well. Startups need to determine um, if it's worth it for them to participate in a particular challenge or effort if they are not prepared to grant the rights that the government's requesting. But I would also say, you know, um, from the government standpoint, if the startup is having an issue with that, just let the program office or, or the organization you're dealing with know that. Make sure you both understand where each other's coming from because there may be room for negotiation. And if there's not, then you know we might have to, to walk away on that particular effort, but at least um, we've talked through it and we might be able to find or identify another area where we can work together. That's fantastic. And I would just uh, also want, like to pass on with that last point that the Air Force and Dr. Roper have decided to stand up a smart IP cadre, a center of excellence for intellectual property in the Air Force. And he's made a decision to put that under us in AQC in contracting. And so we'll have a 10-person organization. We're hiring against those positions now. There'll be five attorneys and two engineers, one program manager, a logistician, and a contracting officer. Awesome. And so that team will be very extroverted and looking at helping teams. Uh, as well as developing best practices under tools, not rules, 
and building mission-focused business leaders as we help uh, with training for intellectual property issues in the future. Great. I can't help but note that the success of Air Force Pitch Day and reminding everybody that it was Air Force contracting that re-engineered the process using tools that already existed to create a novel process by which we can lower the barriers and allow access to these startups to take advantage of these dual-use capabilities for the Air Force in a way that makes intuitive sense to people who have never done business with the government. And so it's a fantastically exciting time, and I would say all tools are on the table. Uh, Amber has given us some ideas on ways to lower barriers, but I would offer to everybody, you all have the tools available to you to create uh, other opportunities and other solutions to that. So Amber, were there any other takeaways from the fellowship, and would you recommend participation from other acquisition professionals? Yes, definitely. So. Um, in working with the startups, I got to see firsthand the motivation to solve problems, think differently, and move with a sense of urgency. These capabilities directly tie back to the National Defense Strategy, which calls for us to transition to a culture of performance where results and accountability matter, better integrate and adapt our way of fighting, prioritize speed of delivery, continuous adaptation, and frequent modular upgrades. So my biggest takeaway from this was that we need to have more experiential interactions with industry. We can do this through fellowship programs like the one that I did, um, through Startup Innovation Fellowship. I think there's also a big opportunity to do local fellowships like this one at the, at the different base locations if there's an ecosystem uh, that supports it. And I know in many of them there are. There's also Education with Industry, which is a great program to be involved in. There are um, tech accelerators and incubators around most bases and most major cities. They put on collider events, um, which by that I mean basically events where industry and government can get together and, and network and talk to each other about issues and, and just get to know each other and, and empathize more with each other. Um, that was also a huge takeaway for me during this is just better understanding where these, where these companies are coming from and, and being in their, in their place to understand the sense of urgency that they're working with day to day to, to develop their technologies and also get them um, into the government for our missions. So, and then there's a, a, another organization that was introduced to through this fellowship and that's DEF, Defense Entrepreneurs Forum, also referred to as the Virtuous Insurgency. It is a, an organ, a non-for-profit organization that is made up of individuals inside and outside the government that promote a culture of innovation into the national security uh, communities. So I um, encourage everyone to uh, check them out. I'll put their, the link to their organization in the show notes as well. Um, they hold different events. They tried to get together on both sides of the government and industry to focus on different national security problems. They also have an extensive Slack page, which is a collaboration tool. Um, where you know they're talking daily on um, issues and um, different opportunities to go to conferences or industry events or just to uh, to talk about um, what's going on out there in, in the national security space. And um, so I highly suggest that that everybody take, check them out. Um, you can become a member for free. You can also donate some money to have a, a higher level membership. But it, it is a good resource and. Um, and it is just refreshing to see you know, people interacting together and they're motivated um, for, for the same goal. So bottom line, um, 
whether you can get into a fellowship or not, um, I think there are a lot of opportunities to get out there and collaborate with industry, even outside of a particular program that you're working. So that's fantastic. Yeah, the deaf folks are a really fun crowd. I've spoken to them before and I can tell you they are absolutely thrilled with mission-focused business leadership and they're helping in any way that they can. Um, also with the EWI slots that you mentioned, we now have an EWI slot with a venture capital firm. We also have added an EWI slot with Anderell, Palmer Lucky's company. He's the individual that spoke to us at our worldwide training summit and I've yeah. told him he's a mission-focused business leader too, he just doesn't know it. Uh, and then also I would note that we now have our first EWI slot for enlisted and we're on our way to three enlisted EWI slots. So it is an exciting time. I can tell, Amber, that you are feeling my pain being the one that is peppered with questions <laughs> and having to answer them. So I'm going to spare you and ask only one more question. Are you doing anything differently in your job as a procurement analyst at Headquarters Air Force Material Command because of the experience you gained in the Startup Innovation Fellowship? I would say I'm thinking differently. The experience completely opened my eyes to the need for more collaboration with industry, especially in the market research and requirements definition phases. Um, I think looking at the FAR, the FAR actually encourages that we do that, and I don't think we do enough of it. Um, of course, there's factors and reasons why that happens, and it, you know, there are many reasons, but some could be budget cycles and when money actually gets to, to program offices and resources and all of that. Um, but if we want to have the leading edge technology, we need to tap into our industry partners sooner who are a vital part of our success and our ability to meet our missions. And just overall, um, it, this experience was very refreshing to talk to the CEOs of these startup companies because they're extremely passionate about solving national security problems. Well, that's fantastic. Amber, thank you so much for joining me today and allowing me to interview you on this fantastic opportunity that you've had as we continue our journey towards building mission-focused business leadership, you sharing your experience will have great benefits throughout our Air Force contracting family. The mission of Air Force contracting is now, uh, conspicuously, to fly, fight, and win in airspace and cyberspace. And we have to recognize that the Cold War has long since ended, and America's innovators are really not doing business with us. We can't afford to let that situation continue. And I believe our Air Force contracting folks are the only ones who can lead the Air Force towards breaking down the barriers to doing business with these young startup companies that are innovators but just don't know how to do business with us. So I'm very encouraged um, by this interview and your experiences. And I, and I look forward to other people um, gaining similar knowledge and being heretics with us as we break down those barriers and hack the system for the benefit of Fly, Fight, Win so that we might deter war for our children in the next century. Thank you so much, Amber. Definitely, thank you, sir. If you have suggestions for topics or people to interview or feedback on the podcast, you can submit those at thecontractingexperience at gmail.com. I wanna thank you all for listening to the Contracting Experience Podcast. Until next time, keep connecting to the world around you.